welcome to Red Wine and Mystery Stories. I'm your host, Jill Buck, and who am I here with today? I'm your assistant, Patrick M. Dunn. Nice to be here, Jill. Nice to be here, as always. This is the podcast, if this is your first rodeo, this is the podcast where we drunkenly discuss random mysteries that we've looked at on the internet. Yes. Um... We just sat down one day, we put our minds together. Two heads are better than one, as teachers used to say when you did group assignments back in the day. Yeah. We put them together. And, and we put on our thinking caps, we grabbed out our magnifying glasses. Did some sleuthing. Looked for some clues. Did you find any? Um, we didn't that first night, I know that. <laughs> just some drug addicts in the in the cemetery <laughs> oh yeah 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 uh shout out to the uh ghost tours it's uh plymouth rock ish area that was nine years ago i that was it came up in my um in my memories on facebook nine years ago mm, two days before we recorded this i think well we could just say nine years ago no it'll no it'll fact check it <laughs> well anybody who's in the facebook group will know because i posted i like shared it and was like Whoop whoop! Nine years ago. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> keep, keep it a secret, guys. Keep it a secret. As as being like a um, a card carrying member of the Facebook group. All two of you, keep it a secret. <laughs> Michelle, I'm looking your direction. <laughs> There's like 57 of them in there. There's like 57 of them, I think. Now we're up to. I know. I'm kind of surprised because I think there's a bunch that I don't know. Yeah. All right. Should we? All right. I have an idea for a hot new contest. Whoever is the 69th member. We'll get a secret sexy prize from us. So that means um, if yeah. uh, if you're new to this and you're interested in figuring that all out, just go to Facebook and search for Red Wine Mystery Stories. We have a group. It is a private group so that we can, you know, prevent lots of spam and crap. Um, yeah, we don't want people selling shoes on there. Exactly. So basically just search for the group. Find it. Request to join. We will add you. Jillian's. You're the. Um, you're the. The gatekeeper. You hold the keys to the castle there. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, there is no Jillian. Only Zool. Yeah, she's. Uh, she Zool's our security guard at the. Uh... <laughs> Zool is our security guard. <laughs> we we tried to give it to Bruce the intern, but it was way too much responsibility for him. He fumbled. He kind of um, couldn't keep up with it. We were like, hey, Bruce, you need to accept these members. And he's like, ah, ah. that's what he said. That was his exact response. To quote Bruce the intern. Um, ah, ah. <laughs> we should make a T-shirt that just says. Ah. Okay. Or just in uh, parentheses, um, vocalized frustration. Internal screaming. <laughs> Next slide down, dash, Bruce the intern. Oh, man. And then like a. A guy just going like, you, I don't know, this is not a, an, Im, an image thing, but just picture a guy like shrugging his shoulders with his like face back and fair. <laughs> Looks like he just dropped all the dishes in the kitchen kind of face. You know that face, right? Yeah, I do. I totally you do. You saw a mouse. You saw a mouse in the kitchen, <laughs> so you jump up on the stool and try to sweep it away in the broom. Dropped all the plates. And then like the, the broom's on the other side of the room and you know how to get over there. The floor is lava. Oh, yeah. Love, love the floor is lava. <laughs> you know what? I, you know what I love to do. You know what I love to do. Let's get all fifty-seven of us together, all fifty-seven of us uh, Facebook group members, and just play the floors lava. We'll like rent out like a like a cafeteria or something. All right, I'm on board for this. Yeah, I'm totally on board for Maybe this. Maybe like an old country buffet. 
We'll go to like an old country buffet. <laughs> oh, man. Like the floor is lava. It sounds like such a disaster. I mean, I wouldn't be upset if he got thrown out of there because it's not like I regularly go there. You know, we don't even need all 57 of us group members. It could be like a company-wide outing for Salty Rock Media. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like you, you, Steven, Cat, me. Yeah. Just get together and like play the floor is lava in a random like public place. And our interns. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, Bruce, the intern, he's in his senior year of college right now. So we might be losing him unless he sticks around. Shit. We're going to have to find another intern. He'll just become Bruce, the unpaid worker. I mean, he might. He's kind of become one of the families. So you never know. Of course, he's still not going to get paid. I mean, we are a podcast. I'm not getting paid. You're not getting paid. Ooh. I hear an OSHA violation. <laughs> uh, but if Bruce decides not to come back, maybe, I don't know. You know what? Should we get a lady? Should we get a lady intern next time, next year? I'm sure that would be really good for you because you do like having a lady detective around to do lady detective work. So, I mean... Brucella, the intern. Oh, that's an unfortunate name. I mean, we could still call her Brucey. We could still call her Bruce. Yeah, but... Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Fun story, fun story. I had a childhood friend, and they had a female dog, and her the female dog was named Bruce. I'm guessing that's because when they first named her, they didn't realize she was a female. Uh, I don't know. I was like five years old. I can't tell you the reasoning for it. That would be my assumption. <laughs> I just thought it was cool that there was, it was like a Lady Bruce. <laughs> lady Bruce, the intern. Oh, boy. Anyone out there? If you're a female named Bruce, tweet us at Red Wine Mystery. Find us on Facebook. Email us at redwinemysteries at gmail.com if your name is Bruce and you're a lady. Or find us on Instagram, Red Wine Mis- at Red Wine Mysteries. Yep. And let us know and we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. You know what? Maybe we'll kick it. It's like uh, the Doctor Who. It's like Lady Doctor Who. It's Lady Bruce. I like it. I stand. Lady I stand. Bruce. Okay. So now, when people contact us via Twitter, are they supposed to send us a random emoji like you do with Cat on a very special podcast? Um, how about if you want to be if you want to be our new intern? I thought this was just if they were a Lady Bruce. Oh, okay, yeah. If you're a Lady Bruce, send us the emoji of the person raising their hand. You know what I'm talking about, like the raising the hand emoji. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the yeah. the lady raising her hand one. Yeah, send us that one. Okay, send us that one, and we'll uh. We'll we'll add it to our to our dossier. Okay. We'll fact check you. We'll we'll like do some deep research on you. Find out if you're a good match, a good match for the pod. Uh, I have a feeling just because they're a lady named Bruce doesn't necessarily mean they want to be our new intern. It's like a boy named Sue by Johnny Cash. Oh yeah. <laughs> a lady named Bruce. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the Weird Al version. All right, now we're gonna have to get in touch with Weird Al and commission that work. <laughs> He's busy right now wearing a sexy Weird Al costume for Halloween. Yeah. And speaking of Halloween, should we get into it? You ready? I think we should get into it. <laughs> yeah. All right. You ready to talk about my favorite subject of all time? Like th- this thing, this subject, the subject that we're doing today, I fucking love it. It's great. Um, anytime I come across one of these stories, I'm so intrigued. I want to know more. And then I kind of like start connecting dots. I get out my yarn, my thumbtacks. I get my giant cork board. Oh, you do like that giant cork board with the yarn. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good thing I don't have a cat. <laughs> you'd just be pulling at it. Yeah. It would undo all of your pins. You'd lose all of your, you know, search points. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he's just trying to like roll it up into a ball. Yeah. Probably choke on it. Truman is a jumper. Truman is a jumper. So he'd probably go for it. I could see that. Yep. He's got cat-like ears. Yeah, he does. 
Yeah, he does. They're adorable. So what are we talking about today, Jillian Buck? We are doing some spooky Halloween-themed stuff today. Yes. Specifically, we're going to be talking about some missing persons, which is, I, I know it's right up your alley. Um, of course, the the specific people that are missing, not exactly up Patrick's alley, because he is afraid of them in certain aspects. Right. But let's let's st- sidestep that. So tonight we're going to be talking about some black market babies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Not a fan of babies. I know. Not a fan of babies, but... I do love myself a good black market baby story. True. Well, because it falls under the the um, heading of, you know, like missing persons and stuff, which is so one of your things. Yeah. It just when people just vanish, there's no trace. They don't find any remains um, that no one knows what happens. Yep. I love it. I love it. And I don't know. I, I, like a, I love a good story of like a guy that just disappears off the face of the earth it's great it's true you it's were stuff that keeps me up at night that's why we were both all over that whole um you know yosemite disappearing people thing yeah was it a pterodactyl was it a pterodactyl that swooped him up and brought him to their their nest we'll never know unless somebody does some fun sleuthing and it lives to tell the tale so we're t- are you ready for this very one specific so- story are you ready to Dip into this world, ready to dip it low, nice and slow. Let's dip our toes into this pool of babies. I hope the I hope the water's warm. <laughs> if it's a pool of babies, it's probably full of pee, so sure, warm. Yeah, they're just in there pissing and shitting everywhere, so the water's going to be warm and tainted. It's like a diarrhea pool. <laughs> oh my god, that's so unappealing. <laughs> Someone's going to like splash the water in your mouth, and you're going to get that disease you get when you go to like a water park. And you're sick for like six weeks after. <laughs> Have you ever been to a water park and you like accidentally like ingest water and then you're sick for like three weeks? Not even at WaterWiz. <laughs> Ugh. That's why I don't go to water parks anymore. <laughs> Gina Davis. Gina Davis knows the pain. Call back to, uh, I don't even know which episode it was, but it was I a few. I don't even either. It was, a... it was a ways back. It was, I know it was, uh, it's been referenced in a few, so I don't know the origin story of that one as far as us anymore i don't know which episode it was in all right well you know what? that's a job for bruce the intern if you want to earn your keep here if you want to earn your keep tell us what episode that was i'm sure he'll get to work he'll make some random noise and a face to go along with it he's gonna go i lost my headphones that too <laughs> all right you ready you ready you ready to get into this world all right. get into it we're gonna play a cool sound effect right there like a you know big in the beginning of an unsolved mystery segment and they have a little yes yep. music plays yeah yep picture the scene East Meadow, New York, 1955. It's Halloween. An unbothered mother, Marilyn Demon, is strolling the strip with her two-year-old son, Stephen, and just shy of seven-month-old daughter, Pamela. Pamela. (laughs) (laughs) Marilyn comes across a bakery and is colored intrigued by the sight of some delicious-looking bread in the window. Because, well, you would be too. It's bread. Bread is delicious. You can slice it, toast it, make it nice and crispy, add some butter or margarine to it. It's your prerogative. Hell, even there's some jam on there if you wish. It's your hot body. You can do what you want. Insert Cartman emoji. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, as a bread whore myself, it's easy to become intoxicated by the thought of that sweet taste of carbohydrates melted on your taste buds. And oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm almost positive. I'm almost positive. That's what crossed Mama Marilyn's mind 
as she left the stroller, contained her two kids out front of the bakery, slipped inside, cracked open her coin purse, and picked up some parcels for later. Oh, I'm sure Jerry, my ever-loving hubby, will be hungry, hungry hippo when he gets home from work tonight, Miss Marilyn probably said. Working those tough nights at the old savings and loans building, crunching them numbers, and sliding beads on an abacus can certainly stir up an appetite. Because, you know, they didn't have calculators. It's 1955. Oh, my God. They just slid numbers on an abacus. You probably did that, too, right? Really? Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) But hold on. Hold on. Rewind. Rewind. Did I just say she left her little ones out front of the store in their stroller? Did I just say that? Yeah, you totally did. I mean, it was 1955, but still... Not solid parenting move right there. Yeah, I mean... Kind of judging Marilyn right now. Yeah, I mean, it was 1955. Adults were horrible to children. Plus, this is America. This is America, Charlie Brown. Children don't get kidnapped. Except all of them. (laughs) Yeah, except all of them. Very specifically, very specifically, Charles Lindbergh's baby. Yep. And by 1955, that was ancient history. Also, Also, this was Dwight D. Eisenhower's America... The New Deal was expanding, Social Security was growing, and this chap favored a balanced budget over tax cuts, so who would kidnap a child for ransom in these post-war years? Would you? Would you do it? I mean, I wouldn't no matter what, but there are still people out there that would. Oh, they're just... Even in 1955. 1955, money's just all over the place. People are just throwing it, people are wiping their asses with it. I mean... There are still sickos out there that want to steal children. <sighs> I guess you're right. doesn't always have to do with money. I mean, well, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. So alas, alas, ten minutes later, Ms. Marilyn, not Monroe, Ms. Marilyn Dahman, strolled out of the store with a satchel of bread and some spare change to get her hair done at Fran's Beauty Shop around the corner. Oh, yeah. She wanted to get her hair done like a... Uh, you know what? Because her name was Marilyn, she wanted to be a Marilyn. She wanted to get that bleach job. Oh, yeah. Was Marilyn Monroe around in 1955? I don't even know, to be honest with you. I don't know when she became famous. Uh, I, you know what? I feel like uh, the seven-year itch was probably out around this time. Let, let, hold on. Let's look it up. Well, Bruce. When we were, Bruce. The last episode we on our um, crossover, uh, it was it set in 1960-something, and that was... At the 62, yeah. Oh. And that was when she died. Hold on. So. Hold on. Hot scoop. Yep. Hot scoop. The seven-year itch. The 1955 Ooh. romantic comedy was released this year. So, oh, yeah. So, June 3rd, 1955. So, this just came out like a few months. So, she was she was hot shit then. Yeah. You know what? She sh- she shared a, a, a similar namesake with her. Mm-hmm. She, um, she wanted to, um, you know pique her husband's interest, make sure he comes home early from that savings and loan building. Yep. When he's done, you know, he's done counting abacuses all night long. He wants to get some tag. Yeah, because apparently that savings and loan just contained abacuses or abacai or I don't know what the plural is. I like abacai. I like abacai. So, yeah, so he's he's just counting abacus after abacus. Yeah, he's got that... Uh... It's not actually counting anything with the abacus. <laughs> Just counting how many of them he had. No, he's counting. You know, money's everywhere, so he's just fucking counting money. <laughs> he's just fucking like, whoa. In the form of an abacus. What are we going to do with all this extra money? The fuck, man? Thank God for the new deal. 
thank God for FDR's New Deal. And, you know, our good boy Ike. Our good boy Ike is keeping things going. Oh, yeah. Apparently. Oh, God. We can have all this extra money. We just have to go to Broadway every night and see a show. <laughs> Maybe we'll go see, uh, we'll go see the seven-year itch for the umpteenth time. My wife really likes that movie. She won't shut up talking about that bitch. I gotta say, why the fuck was she in there ten minutes? That seems like an extensive period of time if she just rolled out with some bread. Ugh, I don't know. Maybe I'm, she... I'm sorry, but I'm getting super judgy on this Marilyn character here. <sighs> you, you think she was giving a handy to the, uh, to, the, to, the, to the baker? I think she was, like, stalling and, like, chatting it up and not even paying attention and just, like... Well, she probably had like a martini in her hand as she's walking the kids in the stroller and she's just like, oh, well, I can't bring the stroller in and hold the door in my martini. So I'll just leave them outside. Like, I can't hold, I can't hold the stroller, my martini, this piece of bread and my cigarette. So you know what? <laughs> the kids can stay outside. It's a beautiful day. It's Halloween. They can look at they can look at the kids in their trick or treat costumes. My God! And then I don't know. She probably had she probably had a thing for the baker. She loves the money. She loves the money from that abacai counter. But you know what? Maybe she loves a man who can make a good a good mean French roll. Maybe a baguette. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe she was getting slipped the baguette. Yeah. <laughs> oh. She went in the back. She went in the back room where they make everything. Yeah. She's like, you know what? Mm. Put some dough in me, boy. Put some dough in me. <laughs> yeah. And then, then it was like the um the the floor sweeper, like the eighteen year old floor sweeper came in. And he's like, oh, excuse me. And then she's like, you know what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's like, you know what? I like the way you hold that broomstick. Oh, oh, I don't like where this is going. We need to change course. Change course. Patrick, course correction, right. back on back on track here. So when she... Right, ten minutes later, ten minutes later, use your imagination, use your illusion, <laughs> to quote Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Marilyn strode out of the store. She rolled out with a satchel of bread and some spare change to get her hair done at Franz Beauty Shop around the corner, as I said. However, hold on, Franz Beauty Shop will have to wait <laughs> because Marilyn was shook, shook to the core. To discover, oh yeah, she discovered that the stroller housing her children was missing. Bum, bum, bum. Oh yeah, oh yeah, so she kind of like ran around, she's like ran around, she's like, where are my children? Where are my children? I was gonna, I was gonna have my, my children, they were gonna be Sears catalog models. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna, I wanted them to be on the stage and do some song and dance numbers for me. Make mama some money. They're gonna make mama some money. I'm gonna be a stage mom. <laughs> some like it hot. I like it hot. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know, she like ran around uh, a few yards away, like a few blocks away, like, I don't know, around back. She found, she found the stroller. Inside was Pamela. Pamela, the seven-month-old infant. But Stephen, oh yeah, Stephen on the other hand... Nowhere to be found. And dot, 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 he has not been seen since. Boom, boom, boom. See, now, this this whole um, situation made me think of, there was a movie that came out, like, several years ago that starred Angelina Jolie, and it was based on a true story, and it was, um, a, ooh, excuse me, she played a single mother who had a young son, um, and she was out at work, 
couldn't get somebody to uh, stay with him. So he was going to be like playing with friends during the day and he had like a strict curfew he had to be home by and everything and he wasn't and he like went missing like he just never came home and it was like this big thing she you know caused a lot of stir trying to find him and everything it was a very interesting movie um but it, it just makes me think like okay Everybody thinks, everybody likes to say how much safer it was back in the day. And, oh, I wish it was still like it used to be. It wasn't that fucking safe. People just didn't take as many precautions as we do now. Like, it sounds like kids were going missing. And we just weren't taking as many precautions or maybe as aware of how frequent it was happening as we are in today's day and age with the technology we have to be able to hear how frequently they're going fucking missing. Or, or do you think it was kind of like the, uh, the happy days effect where you have, like, I don't know, they get like eight kids, <laughs> one of them just disappears and they just forget all about them. They just forget all about them. <laughs> the older brother that goes up the stairs never to be seen again. <laughs> yeah, it happened on um, Urkel too. Like, uh, yep. Laura's, Laura Winslow's like youngest sister just, I don't know, she like went to take a shit and never came back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She got tired of Urkel. She goes like, oh God, I gotta live next door to this fucking dude. I'm gonna go, <laughs> so, I'm gonna go move to the fucking full house neighborhood. Maybe they'll treat me better there. So you're saying <laughs> that uh, back in the day, it wasn't that it was more dangerous. It, it was that people had a tendency to literally disappear into thin air. Not that they were taken or anything, that they just vanished into non-existence. Um, <laughs> yes and no. Yes and no. So, I'm, all right. <laughs> I'm just going to go with no, that's not a thing. <laughs> the kids are just so independent back then. You know, they came, like, they walked, they were like latchkey kids. They just fucking, like, walked over from school, walked through the woods. Yeah, and some of them ended up on a freaking, like, you know. Bill Carton. Well, milk cartons, but also I'm thinking like, you know, that whole orphan train thing we were talking about pre, pre-recording, pre like... Pre-pod, yeah. Yeah, like how many of those kids were just like out uh, about on their own for the day and they were just like, hey, I want a snack. Can I have something to eat? And the guy was like, come aboard the train. Let's find you a new family. Like, yeah, what he, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, they're just like strolling around and I don't know, like, like, oh, a train. Like, you know, kids were intrigued by things like trains and hence i was like come on the train we'll go for a magical journey yeah and next thing you know they're living with a new fucking family like yeah they're in los angeles they're fucking yeah. living with lucille ball right <laughs> she's like ricky. ricky ricky i ain't pushing a kid out of my pussy <laughs> no way i'll just wear a pillow for nine months oh my god hi lucy you got some splated to do the tv guide oh ricky they'll never know Oh, Jesus Christ. I'll just fall over a chair and everyone will think it's funny. <laughs> All right. Well, if you need me, I'll be down at the fucking the nightclub that I sing at every night of the week. Singing Cuban Pete. Oh, my God. Uh, All right. So back on to this story. So you have some flash forward info here. All right. So we kind of teased it. We kind of painted the picture, so to say, in a Rod Serlin sort of way. The scary door. The scary bakery. Well, I was thinking of the uh, the Futurama version of the Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's no longer Halloween. It's a few weeks later. It's late November. The Damon family is in emotional turmoil. 
And hold on. Hold on. The following the following is an excerpt from the November 26, 1955 edition of the Asbury Park Evening Press. This is like Asbury Park. Isn't that like a, a Bruce Springsteen album? It might be. I don't know. You know more than I. Welcome to Asbury Park. Uh... <laughs> All right. So, so you ready? So you ready for some old-timey reenactments? Yep, let's get some typewriter clicking in here. All right. Extra, extra, read all about it. Read all about it. Missing Boy's family gets ransom note. <gasps> the father of three-year-old Stephen Diamond, who has been missing for nearly a month, says a ransom note received last Wednesday demanded $3,000 for the youngster's return. Did you, did you do an inflation calculation for what $3,000 would equate to today by any chance? Hefty sum of money. Hefty sum of money. Um, and I'm basing this on like watching episodes of Mad Men where like Peggy Olsen would get like $100 a month. <laughs> and she's like, wow, I'm rich. <laughs> Thank you, Don. Thank you, Don Draper. Can I get you anything? All right. I hear the keyboard clock and you're getting, you're doing some inflation calculation. I am. Hang on. Inflation corner. Oh, so uh, 3000 in 1955 is equivalent um, purchasing power to $28,741.68 in 2019. Oh, it's way off, way off. Samsonite. Yeah. Air Force Sergeant, Air Force Sergeant Derry Damon. LOL, sorry, I guess you didn't work the savings alone. Just took some uh, liberties. Sue me. Sue me, guys. All right. So <laughs> Air Force Sergeant Jerry Damon added that the note is very likely a hoax. Police, who have declined to discuss the note other than to say it was received... I reported also to believe it is the work of a cruel prankster. Yeah. So, what? the child's parents said last night the note is one of several received since little Stevie disappeared last October 31st, Halloween day. Uh, the Damons, oh yeah, the Damons said they have turned them all over to the Popo, and so far, so far, none have provided any leads to the supposed kidnappers. Uh, anyway, anywho, Damon said he placed little hope, little hope for results from the investigation of the note, but added, it might be, it just might be Jack, it just might be a million and one shot. So, the parents have disclosed that the note was received by mail, garbled and printed on a slip of paper, probably from the savings and loan building. <laughs> it said in part, <laughs> said in part. Someone is going to call out a certain place at a certain time for additional instructions. But alas, but alas, no one ever called as far as I know. All right. As far as I know. As far as our, you know. A-F-I-K. As far as I know, as far as we know with our internet sleuthing abilities. Well, I looked. I like did some hot digging on this one. I was fucking up all night going on, looking at microfiche. I went down to the local library. <laughs> You felt like randomly your your local library in South Carolina would happen to have this old information from New York in 1955. Uh, you know what? I I don't know the the circulation of the Asbury Park Evening Press, but mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe it has a big reach. Maybe it has a big reach. All right, so let let's flash forward a few more years. A few more years. We're going forward ahead a number of years. Yeah, I know. Oh my god, girl! Long fucking years. We're going back a decade. Back a decade ago. From now. From now, yeah. From uh, from the Lord's year, 2019. Ugh. <laughs> so it's 2009. Uh, you know, a lot has happened. A lot has happened in the world. Uh, 
Should I go over everything that's happened in the world? Should Let's not. Take this time. Let's not. I think it'll just make us sad. Maybe I'll just play uh, Billy Joel, um, We Didn't Start the Fire, just get, get us caught up on everything. <laughs> That'll catch us up. Yep. All right. All right. If you listen to this episode, pause right now. Go to YouTube. Just search for We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. <laughs> just in case like you've been living in a cave for all this time, you know what's going on. It's 2019. I mean, sorry. It's 2009. 2009. <laughs> this gentleman... This dude, John Barnes of uh, Kalkaska, Michigan, comes forward with suspicions that he believes, oh yeah, he believes that he may in fact be little Stephen, no longer little, but Stephen Dimmons. What? He had uh, some long suspicions that, oh yeah, oh yeah, right? Am I right, girl? Right. He had some long suspicions that his parents were not actually his biological parental units. And when technology had advanced to the point where he could conduct research on the internet, he began looking into his possible origin story. Whoa. Well, um, I don't know, clacking away at the keyboard one day, clack, maybe at his local library, maybe uh, maybe he had access to the Asbury Park Evening Press. Looking <laughs> yeah. through some microfiche. Looking at some microfiche. He stumbled upon an image of little Steven um, on the World Wide Web. And he began to suspect that this was him. He's like, you know what? That kind of looks like me when I was a child. I, you know, I've seen some pics. I've seen some hot pics of me when I was a little little lad. I look spit an image, spit an image. And he saw pictures of the parents um, mm-hmm. from the fifties, and he's like, you know what? I kind of look like a combination of that mom and that dad. I look like Jerry and Marilyn. And ooh, she's got a nice, she's got a nice cut right there. Did she get her friend's beauty shop? Down on Carlisle Street, <laughs> right across that that a former Savings and Loan building that's now a um, Citibank. Yeah, they got bought out by Uncle Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, uh, so John Barnes he did what any I don't know American would do in two thousand nine. He uh, picked up the phone, called the FBI. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> operator, operator, get me the FBI, get me the feds. And they're like, uh, sir, this is 2009. <laughs> there is no operator. This is a dial tone. You're hearing voices in your own head. <laughs> if you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try again. <laughs> please hang up and actually dial a phone number. And if you don't know the number, go to the World Wide Web. <laughs> you fucking fossil. <laughs> yeah. So... The feds get involved. I don't know why. Like, I feel like this is, like, way out of their jurisdiction for 2009 for some reason. Well, I don't know. Maybe because it's a, like, really long-term missing persons case. Like, oh, you think there's, like, one guy at the FBI that's, Yeah, like, he's down in the... He's down in a basement office, like, two doors down from Mulder. Yeah, he's in, like... And so it's, like, the X-Files, and it's, like, the, uh... Missing persons from 1955 files. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The M files. <laughs> yeah, like you know what, Mulder and uh, this guy, um, Frank, Frank, Frank from the FBI, Devero, oh, yeah, Frank from the FBI, FBI Frank. He's an older guy. He's older. He he was going places. He had hopes. He had dreams. He had dreams of uh, making up for management. There, he wanted to be an AD, assistant director, but <laughs> I don't know. Something happened. Something happened in the eighties. He got so- demoted. He had to. <laughs> <laughs> do traffic duty. He had to like work in the garage at the FBI, bring wheeling cars. Now, now I'm totally like thinking of this to sidestep what you're saying. Like, 
Okay, so Mulder's working the X-Files. Now, this guy's working what I completely just arbitrarily named the M-Files. Do you think that in the basement of the FBI office, they actually have um, like 26 different offices, each one for a letter of the alphabet, and it's all just people that like got, you know, like sent down there to work on a certain like, oh, you're going to the A-Files, you're going to the B-Files, like... Because they, like, fucked up on something. Like, they call it the alphabet, the alphabet level. <laughs> yeah, it's... yeah, the alphabet level, and it's just in the basement, and it's all just a bunch of basement offices. Yeah, you got, like, you got A's. I'm now intrigued. A's for, like, assholes, so this is like, uh, you know, you, you gotta keep a tab on that fucking jerk. <laughs> That's, I don't know, making prank phone calls to us every week. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, like, eight-year-old kid who calls up Moe's Diner. Um, <laughs> most diner, <laughs> most bar, most tavern, most tavern. Well, I was thinking of the one where he converted it into a diner. Oh, hey, welcome to Uncle Mo's like like family friendly tavern. Yeah. Uncle Mo. <laughs> family fun bag or whatever. Family feed bag. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> and he's got like a um, he's got like a basket of hot French fries like strapped to his forehead, and his like face is burning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on his head. Yeah, and the girl's, like, just eating them out of the basket, and he's like, can you take it off? The oil is burning my head. <laughs> like, yeah, and he's got, like, I don't know, he's got to, like, if you say a certain word, he's going to sing a song or something. Yeah. rings a bell or, I don't know. Yeah. Ugh, poor Mo. Poor Mo. Poor Mo. So, anyway, like, uh, that's... No, no wonder why he put, no wonder why he put his head in the oven and said no funeral taped to his back. <laughs> oh, sad for Mo. <laughs> I brought you a Christmas goose. Hey, Midge. <laughs> hey, bitch, I brought you a goose, a Christmas goose. <laughs> what, you don't like my bags? So anyway, um, when uh, John Barnes actually contacted the FBI and they got involved and did some DNA shit, what did they find out? John Barnes contacts the FBI. They get involved. FBI Frank gets involved. They draw some blood. They send it to the lab. They get some blood from um, the Damons. So I guess the Damons are still alive. And they get blood from John Barnes' actual parents. And... They did a DNA test. Turns out, turns out he was 100% not that bitch. Okay. Shout out to Lizzo. Shout out to Lizzo. So anyway, status, 64 years later, the case is still unsolved. Is Stephen Damon still out there somewhere living another life? Has he passed away? Was he killed when he was young? Um, Hold on, though. Was he taken by aliens did he cross over to another dimension is he on like an alternate earth is he Mulder? is he Mulder? who knows maybe he, he is Mulder. He, he's probably Mulder's older brother if he had one Mulder didn't have an older brother he had a younger sister uh, and she was taken by aliens that is true well you know what yeah oh yeah. uh, never mind um so some things that are not in my notes which would fit in here because this bitch had a younger sister that is true Boom. All right. So here's some Boom. here's some things that are not in my notes. So, um, like a year or I need to take a pause. T- I need a potty break. I'm sorry. All right. So, um, pee break, pee break, and then we'll get into um, addendums. Okay. Sounds good. We'll play the Price is Right theme song as we pee. Yes, <laughs> as always.
Okay. All right. We're back, bitches. We're back. All right. So this isn't my notes. This is my notes, but I was reading about this. I was contemplating adding it, but I don't know. I'm tickled by it. I'm tickled by this idea. So not too much longer after Steven went missing. Okay. Um, there was, I think it was in Philadelphia, not too far away from New York-ish area. Um, there was the bo- a body of a young boy was found. It was called the boy in the box. What's in the box? And he Sorry. was kind of. Yeah. Kinda. So he was roughly the same age that Stephen would have been. So he was like less than five years old. Okay. Um, and they kind of just did, they did an initial autopsy at one point. I think detectives connected the Stephen Damon's case to this. Mm-hmm. And they kind of like look at the bones. So I think, like, so I think when Stephen, like a year before he went missing, I think he had like broken his wrist, and they they said it looks like that this body may have had like a wrist injury, but they couldn't really. It wasn't really conclusive. It wasn't too conclusive. Okay. And they still had they still had the remains um, recently, and they did a. Um, they did a DNA test with him and with his family, and there was no match. But for for many years, I think it was a possibility. And then, like when DNA t- testing came back, they had they still had the body and stuff, or parts of it. I don't know. I don't know, but it, that was a thing that came up at one point in time. Hmm. But interesting. I think there's something more going on to this, though. I I, I think I think there was some tomfoolery at play, but I believe I personally believe. That Stephen was kidnapped and not harmed, but sold to the highest bidder. Interesting. Enter black market babies. Are you familiar with black market babies? We kind of tease it, but... A little bit. So this was a wild phenomenon of yesteryear and perhaps even today. You don't really hear much about it today. Oh, no. It's, it's still going on, I'm sure. We don't hear as much, but it's definitely still a thing. I mean, today we call it, like, human trafficking. Right. Back in the day, we called it black market babies. <laughs> right, yeah. We hear a lot about it under its more appropriate term, which is human trafficking. Yes. and But, like, adults are kidnapped in human trafficking. This is, like, specifically young children, babies that have no memory of, like, who they are, and they're just taken from their birth parents, Often under devious circumstances, such as bribing hospital staff to convince, you know, the parents that their newborn was stillborn. And then, you know, just preying on, like, young single women, like teenagers who accidentally become pregnant. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, like, keep this a secret from their parents. They don't want anyone to know. This was, like, an era when, like, you know, if you were unmarried and you, like, fuck somebody, you got knocked out, people are going to call you, like, a whore. Mm-hmm. You're a, you're a loose woman. Um, you were like shunned down by society, and you. I mean, you stood no chance. That's still a thing, but lesser lesser than it was. Uh, I mean, it is still a thing, but it's not as harsh. I think. I think. Well, the repercussions you, aren't as you bad. Clearly, never been anywhere near a Planned Parenthood. Uh, no. <laughs> But I'm I'm thinking of like protesters are still assholes. Yeah, uh, but it is it is a little bit. It's it's not the stigma that it once was. Like a a young woman being a sing becoming a single mother is not looked at this nearly the same way it was in 1955. Definitely not. Which is progress. 
Yes. But not nearly enough progress as we should have made. I think I think you have options today. Like if you decided to keep the child, you know, people will I, I feel like your family will come to support you eventually. A lot of people, yeah. Back in the fifties, I feel like you would you would have just been thrown on the streets and right. I don't know, and there's there's also forced to fend for yourself. Yeah, and there's also more like there are some programs available to people today that can help. Yeah, those in situations like that, as far as like you know, um, helping people to get back on their feet and whatever that they didn't have. They have those like safety harbors. A lot of like churches have them. Like if a woman shows up with a baby, like no questions asked, they'll just take the baby. Yep. Any, um, any fire station, police station, and basically any church, I believe. And also hospitals. Yeah. Someone of a young woman just is like, shows up with a child, you know, she just like laid in a car, shit a kid out, brought the kid in. They'll take it. No questions asked. (laughs) Oh my God. Prom night dumpster baby. Yeah, like that was like a thing that happened a lot in like the seventies and eighties. It just like happened all the fucking time. Yeah, hence and the um, horrifying song in uh, in Family Guy. This is kind of this is kind of I think the catalyst for black market babies. So you you just had you know you probably had these young women. They probably came into the hospital mm-hmm. and unwed. They were probably could have been young, like fifteen years old, fourteen. Maybe even younger. Who knows? Like, who knows? We don't know the age ages of these ladies. Young. And you just had unethical staff members, you know, that were just like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I could just take this baby, sell it for a fucking fortune, mm-hmm. and I'll take it off the mom's back and send this child off to a loving home. I can make, like, I don't know, a couple G's off this? Sell them to the highest bidder. That sounds, that sounds like a lucrative business. So you have some wackadoodles. Um, one such of these wackadoodles was a woman named Georgia Tan of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And she kind of, she started like a, it was some kind of like shelter for, for young women. And she would bring in these women mm-hmm. and they would just like, basically just like hand these babies to her. Mm-hmm. They would just hand these babies over to her. Which It sounds legit. It sounds legit. However, she didn't stop there. She was greedy. She was greedy as fuck. So she would go to hospitals and, like, bribe staff members, like, bribe nurses and, like, hey, keep an eye out. You know, I'll give you a cut. I'll give you a cut. If you see someone come in, just tell them that their baby's dead. Mm -hmm. Just tell them that it was stillborn. Because this is, like, you know, like, you probably gave birth and they just took the baby away from you. Like, you didn't know what the fuck was going on. Right. Um, She she had this operation. It's estimated that she probably has stolen and sold over 5,000 babies between 1924 and 1950. A lot of fucking babies. And she had so much control over the situation. So, like, whenever someone, like, spoke up and, like, complained about her, she simply made these complaints disappear. Mm -hmm. Because she... She was friends with someone who lived in her town. Um, he was a local business tycoon, E.H. Crump. Just was kind of like the Scrooge McDuck of of this town. Yeah. And, yeah, so, like, any time, like, someone was just like, Georgia Town stole my baby, she would just go to E.H. Crump and be like, hey, make this go away. And he would just, he probably threw money at them or, or whatever, maybe bought their house for them, like, paid their house off. Um, yep. I don't know, maybe gave their son a job. I mean, it was the 20s. This could have, like, gone back to the 20s. I don't know the exact years that E.H. Crump was in operation, but, you know, it's well, I mean, it, tough times. I'm sure it spanned <laughs> over the time she stole those babies, which, um, between 1924 and 1950, so... Yeah. Yeah. 
the New Deal. The New Deal hasn't come into fruition yet. Social Security isn't ex- hasn't expanded. Which- we're not in these um these we're not in this Dwight D. Eisenhower era of America. Oh no. Yeah, I gotta say, 1924, she probably would have found people that were like desperate for money and couldn't feed their children and was able to take advantage of that. Yeah, you know what? And like, I can picture Tennessee being. I can, you know, it's kind of. It's the South. It's kind of there's not really that many major cities. You got like Knoxville and Nashville, and mm-hmm. you probably got a lot of a poor population. You probably had Georgia Tan just did whatever she had to do to make ends meet, and it's like you know what? Fuck it, stealing babies, stealing babies, and selling rich people. Yeah, and yeah. this bitch, this bitch had some serious fucking steal ovaries because she she made a portion of her money, so she would like contact the newspapers, pay them to advertise. To shill her stolen babies. And but she was like contacting newspapers in like LA and New York City where like wealthy people lived. Right. So I'm like I'm thinking about this. Like I wonder like how many like movie like popular golden age of Hollywood movie stars probably have a Georgia Tan baby. There's probably so many. That's <laughs> that's a really good point. And that's actually kind of scary to think about. Like how many people probably just aren't even aware. Yeah, because I mean, you get. I, I'm I'm guessing. I'm guessing like you know, Tennessee couples probably couldn't afford a Georgia tan baby. So she she went to where the money was at. She wanted that. She liked that coin. She wanted to bust out her abacus well, and she's also, slide numbers all day. And she's also trying to get them far away from where they their families are, so there isn't a potential like the mother shows up at the baby's right. Yeah, the mother like f- like tracks us down. Like the child is that oh the child's like the next town over, and she shows up in the middle of the night. Yeah, because like makes a scene kind of thing. Yeah, twenty four to fifty. Like it's not like they had internet. Like yeah, actually communicating cross country and shit was a very difficult process, and it took a long time. You had to pay for a telegram. Yeah, or you know, like send a letter, or even like long distance phone calls and shit was not. It wasn't what it is today. It was like a a big deal to call somebody long distance. Yeah, and that usually was a status symbol too, because like. Oh, I'm gonna call someone long distance. It was like, oh, damn, you must be loaded. Like, <laughs> you know, you must have some fucking money if you can just so- call someone long distance and see how they're doing. Who are you, E. H. Crump? Who do you think you are, E. H. Crump? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's the best name. That's the best fucking name I've ever heard in my life. By the way, I know, eh, Crump. <laughs> eh, Crump. <laughs> eh, Crump. I- I tried to find a picture of him, but he it wasn't coming up. I like really need. To, I just pictured just some fucking <laughs> angry looking old man with like white hair and like a one of those like stove stovepipe hats or whatever. Yeah, like an Abe Lincoln style hat. And he's got that like long frilly white hair. Yep. And just and I don't know like a six hundred dollar suit. <laughs> I totally can see that. Yep. Under undermining all his employees, not paying them enough, and just keeping all the profits. <laughs> Very miserly. Yeah, oh yeah, oh, that's that's a great a great descriptor of him. Oh yeah, I'm totally on board for that. If any Crump relatives listen to this, tweet us, send us some hot pics of E. H. Crump because yeah, we want to see. Seriously, we're not we're not shaming him. 
We're not shaming. I mean, we are, but we aren't. No, we're just, I mean, we are because, well, he was doing some shady shit, but like. We want to know more. We want to know more. We want to hear. We do. We're curious. We want to know both sides of the story. Yeah, let's get his yeah. side of the story. Does he have like, did he leave a hot journal behind? And he's just like, maybe he was in a tough predicament. Maybe, maybe Georgia Tan had some like. Hold over him. Yeah. Blackmail material on him. Yeah. 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 Like maybe E.H. Cobb had a small penis and Georgia Tan was going to tell everybody. In town. Maybe he, maybe he like fathered all these random children. Yeah, well, like maybe he was a gay man. And he like slept with men or something. Yeah, because that was taboo, taboo. Everybody had to keep that under wraps back then. Like, yeah. Oh, darling, you'll be ran out of town. Maybe she was his beard. Ooh, yeah. I picture her having a beard. <laughs> I totally. I can't not see it that way now. <laughs> I can't not see her having a beard. I just picture some just really homely looking bitch, just some bitch who couldn't father a child. No one would fucking go near her. Well, she wouldn't father a child. She would mother one. Uh, mother a child. Mother a child. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? Well, she had a beard. She had a beard. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hey, now. Hormonal issues, man. I just picture just, just some homely looking bitch. Just. I don't know, like, she she's trying to find a man, she would, she, you know what, she would throw her, she'd pay like 15 cents to get an ad in the fucking, I don't know, the Knoxville press, the Knoxville Park press. I feel like, like that's really expensive, she was probably paying like a penny. Yeah, uh, I don't fucking know, I don't know, prices in 1924. I don't know. All right, so she was paying a pretty penny, a pretty copper, to be in the uh, Knoxville press. Yep. And she wanted to, you know, find herself a suitor. And then mm-hmm. the the guy would show up, and um, you know she'd be like, "Meet me at meet me at um I don't know Joe's Cafe, Joe's Diner down on the corner of uh, Main and Broadway. Mm-hmm. I'll be there at eight p.m. I'll be wearing a black dress, a hot black number, nice. And I have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she left that part out. There will be a scarlet rose on the table. <laughs> and he'd walk in, and he'd be like, he'd be like, Whoa! He'd like run out of there, like fucking someone saw, like you remember, like in Casper the Ghost. When someone would see Casper, they would just fucking run out of town. Yeah. Bang their eyes out with a hammer or something. <laughs> uh, so she's like, you know what? I'll get back at all these hot people, all these attractive people fucking out there. If I can't do it, I'm going to take, I'm going to steal the fruit of their labor. Stolen fruit of their loins. And she did. You know what? Maybe E.H. Crump was like drunk one night. He entered the ad. He had the bear goggles on. He fucking went in there. He went in fucking deep. <laughs> he woke up the next morning and he fucking ran out of there like Casper the ghost. <laughs> Casper the ghost fucking victim. And But I don't know, maybe um, Georgia Tan, she took a hot pick. She took a fucking fo- a f- photo. Fo- not a photograph. That's like a record. Photo? Uh, is, is there like a pre-word for photograph? I feel like like a Kodachrome. I don't know. Kodachrome's a brand, but okay. She took an old-timey photo. <laughs> She chiseled, she chiseled a picture of E.H. Crump. <laughs> In some fucking granite that she had laying around. Yeah, like a marble pad. <laughs> it was under a bed. This is conjuring up visions of, like, the uh, Flintstones live-action movies. Ugh, this might even be a Flintstone episode now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> is, is Pebbles? Probably Oh, is. wait, B- Bam Bam's adopted, right? Is Bam Bam adopted? Yes, he is. Oh. Is Bam Bam a black market baby? Maybe he is, like back in the Stone Age version. Yeah, back in fucking 1955 BC. I feel like we need to get back on track to your notes, though. All right, well... Because I know there's more about the tail end of this, and I think we need to get into it and 
dip our toe into that. All right. So, thank you. So, however, uh, years gone by, years passed. Uh, Tan, Georgia Tan's dastardly schemes comes to a crashing halt uh, when E.H. Crump's control of the community began to wane, leading to the rise of one of his political en- enemies who launched a full-blown oh yeah, a full-blown investigation into Georgia Tan's dastardly ways. Um, but as the case against Tan began to build, Tan passed away from a cancer diagnosis before any charges were filed. Probably brought on from all that fucking guilt. It's entirely possible. Yep. So she died. Uh, charges were never filed, so she never, you know, never, no one ever went to her to, like, find out anything. I'm guessing she didn't keep any records, so at the end of the day... Yeah, so all that information is just fucking lost to the ages. Yeah. So at the end of the day, there are oodles of missing children out there, probably now in their way later years of their life, and who knows if they know who they are. If you believe that you are one of Georgia Tan's uh, children, or um, you're a spawn of one of them, tweet us at Red Wine Mystery. Tell us. Uh, we'd like to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, we want to hear, because this is, like, fascinating shit. This makes me think of the movie um, The Face on the Milk Carton. Yeah. Where, like, this girl sees a picture of a little kid on a milk carton and was like, I swear that's me. And you know, contacts, like, the people from the milk carton and everything and finds out she was stolen in, like, a department store and the woman who stole her passed her off as her own child to her parents and then she, like, took off and passed away. So they thought this was, like, their daughter's illegitimate child so, like, raised her and everything not knowing that she had been stolen from her actual parents like just fucking wild you know yeah I, I, i'm sure this just happened all the time this has happened all the fucking time but yeah there is a silver lining there is a silver lining so a lot of these cases mm-hmm. led to the uprising of like formal adoption agencies which is huge and i think that's something that we were kind of like dabbling in our pre um pre-recording uh, banter, we were, you know, getting into the, like, orphan train, which totally deserves its own episode. But, um, yeah, like, that, that, there were many factors that were similar to this kind of shit that all led to our current adoption process and, like, the, the you know, detailed screenings and background checks and everything that people have to go through now. People have to go through a fuck ton to adopt a child now which i'm not saying is a bad thing that's that's a good thing like there are reasons that we have people go through that shit and you know people that are going through it it's a lot to go through and it can be very frustrating because there are a lot of children in the system that need homes that need to be adopted and i feel like you know our current system isn't perfect um, but it's definitely better than fucking Georgia Tan just, like, stealing babies from hospitals and shit and, like, giving them to the highest bidder. It's nutty. Yeah, maybe fucking in that whole thing with, um, the, the, um, Marilyn and shit, like, maybe he was taken by somebody similar. I mean, not necessarily Georgia Tan because she was, her run was, like, before that, but... I'm sure somebody picked up after 
she left off or, you know, took a page out of her book, so to speak. For further listening, for further listening. So just this, just last week, my other podcast, a very special podcast, we covered an episode of Unsolved Mysteries from 1992. Mm -hmm. And there is a similar case it involved a woman named Ethel Nation. She was a nurse at a hospital somewhere. And she kind of did this a similar thing where she used to she would just see these unfortunate single moms come in, um, just and she would just yep. take their kids and just take these kids and then just sell them off just to some couple who wanted a child. Mm-hmm. And whenever and th- there there were a few people that like approached her years later mm-hmm. and like demanded to know more information, and she would just be like, "Your mother's a whore. Your mother was a loose woman. Your mother's a slut," and that would be it. And like she would just like end discussion and wouldn't get into it. And similar to Georgia Tan, she kind of passed away before, like, as they were starting to build a case against her, Mm -hmm. she died. She died. Right. Which basically means, like, all of the records basically die with her because even if she had anything written down, who the fuck knows where she kept it? Uh, I'm guessing she probably really didn't keep much written down. Like, that's what my guess is. She just Georgia Tan, I'm guessing, really had nothing written down because of the time frame it was probably just like, why bother? I'm, yeah, I'm guessing she just did this, just got money. This is probably like the era where um, Americans didn't trust banks, so she just kept the money like under a fucking mattress floorboard. <laughs> she had like a loose floorboard in her house, and she just had like stacks of money down there, and mm-hmm. she would fucking dive into it like Scrooge McDuck, her and Mister Mister Crump. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I feel. That's that's what I feel. It's going on. But yeah, I, yeah, I am on board with you there. I'm definitely on board with you. All right, you want to do a quick orphan train corner just to kind of like get it up? Like maybe we'll revisit the topic, but we'll do like a quick like abbreviated. I mean, summation of it. Yeah, we. I I feel like we've touched upon the basics of it. Like basically, so orphan train. Um, here are the hard hitting points. They started like the 1850s ish, like very. Whenever the the train engine became a popular commodity so this is basically like there would be like this train conductor you know and these you know wayward children would approach like looking for food and he would basically like just here climb aboard and at the end stop he'd find them new families like yeah kind of that's that's the basic gist like that's oversimplifying to a big degree but that is the basic gist of like the the main point when they found themselves in like poorer neighborhoods though they would like specifically get out and kind of like roam the streets and just look for look for kids just to take yeah which is crazy and because they'd be like you know what we can give this child a better life let's go like hop on all aboard and they'd hop on and i don't know like that the destination of that train might have been i don't know some gold rush city or something right yeah some city that the brady bunch goes to in fucking 1960 that's now a ghost town yeah exactly uh, but they're like hey come with me we're gonna yeah we're gonna go out west and they're like all excited they're like oh we're gonna see some cowboys and indians huh and they're like oh yeah come on and they get on the train and i don't know they yeah no one's ever gonna find like those the real parents they're gonna be on that train track for a long time walking those fucking trails no shit right like there's just nowhere to know where their child ended up uh, on that line it could have been at any fucking stop pretty much like who the fuck knows i think um the the figure that i read the last figure that i read they estimated that probably over two hundred thousand children um had 
gun onto the orphan train. Damn. Which I think it ran mostly from like the 1850s till early 1900s. I think it was like the 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 main run of it. Well, that's like the they have a uh, clipping from a um uh, a post like one of the ads for children that's wanted homes for children, and that's dated 1910. So. Early 1900s, I would say, is a fair guess. So this kind of takes me into a whole other aspect. So I wonder how this, like, affects people that are doing, like, ancestry-type things. Like, you know, the 23andMe, and they want to, like, find out who they are. And, yeah. like, the trail is going to end, because <laughs> this kid was scooped up. <laughs> there, There's a couple of different sides to that whole thing. Like, um, as far as DNA analysis and, like, tracing your ancestry and things like that, it's not as accurate as companies like 23andme and ancestry.com would lead people to believe just because of what it's like the information that it's based on also like we do have the technology and the the capabilities of testing pretty good you know pretty pretty well with dna analysis so yeah i mean if somebody is checking their like DNA record and finding, oh shit, hey, I don't have share any anything with my immediate family, that could be a red flag. Like, holy fuck. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the day, all those um twenty three and me, they're just um a tool for the the authorities to track down unsolved serial killer cases. Let's be real. Well, didn't real. isn't there an actual <laughs> Um, instance of that occurring the golden state killer yeah he got caught he got caught because like someone he was related to yeah someone he was related to just went on to 23andme.com just to like find out who they were and the the dna strand that like the blood strand that they had of like the actual golden state killer like there was like a match and they just kind of like traced the fucking bloodlines and were like well it's gonna be this guy and it was. Yeah, they they caught him. Found it, yeah. Shout out to science. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, can you imagine? Yeah. Fucking science for the win on that one. I know. We need to get like a hot quote from our scientist. <laughs> He's currently playing a video game. I'm not going to disturb him. <laughs> All right. Well, when we, when we do our 23andMe episode, we'll, we'll get a hot quote. I'm sure he'll have lots to say on that. <laughs> On a more serious topic, do you think something may have affected the minds of these kidnappers? Well, I was actually going to bring that up. I was thinking maybe the kidnappers were utilizing something way ahead of their time to blank the memories of the women whose babies they stole. Oh, kind of like an early form of this, you think? Like before yeah. before it rained down on us, they would rain it into their bowl of frosted flakes? Yeah, or like, yeah, just like somehow maybe it was an early testing of the chemicals that would eventually go into this stuff. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Chemtrails! We're doing it. We're finally going to do it next week. We're going to talk about chemtrails, what they are, what they do. Yeah. What? They make people forget what they make people, the false memories they give to people. Who knows? The tracking devices they implant in us. Yeah. They're the little, there's little like nano transmitters inside the trails. So we breathe the air in. Now the government can track us. They know when you go to the stop and shop. They know when you go to 
to the Publix or the Piggly Wiggly. They know when you're taking your shit. Know when you're at the bre- <laughs> the bakery buying some bread for ten fucking minutes while your children sit outside in a stroller. Oh, they'll know when you leave your children outside the store too. They'll know. Oh, they'll know, and they'll, they'll come know. steal them and give them to Georgia Tan. They'll come from the future, Terminator Two style, and take them. Oh yeah, and take them. Yep. Last note. Last note. Do you think that um. Stephen Dammons was like John Connor. Ooh. The real world John Connor. You never know. He could be. Yeah, there's no way to prove not. Terminator Dark Fate, now in theaters. Now in theaters. A friend of the show, Linda Hamilton. And Edward Furlong, who has like a cameo appearance I hear. I haven't seen it, but I heard he has a cameo. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course. And of course. All right. Perpetual boy toy. Yeah, perpetual boy toy. Sorry about the cum stains, Maria. As always. <laughs> I'm always apologizing for those gum stains. <laughs> All right. I gotta go. It's time. Yeah, we gotta we gotta count our trick-or-treat candy. We gotta look for razor blades. Yep. Uh deuces. Deuces!